please follow in the reading of the Word of God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundations of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before Him in love. He predestined us as adoption as sons through Christ Jesus Himself, according to kind intentions of His will, to the praise and glory of His grace, which He freely bestowed upon us. Father, help us to have ears to hear. and Help us to, in our temporal minds, absorb these eternal truths that are beyond the bounds of human reasoning or understanding and yet are set before us that we can each say, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ. Wow. Help us to be overwhelmed. To you, my King and Lord. Amen. We're looking into the past at the Trinity's plan for making the body of Christ so that we can see the Trinity's plan before creation. We look at this letter, it's six chapters. The first three chapters help us to understand the body, the theology of the body of Christ. Okay? Until you understand the theology of the body of Christ, you don't dare move into the last three chapters that show you the practice of it. Too many people want to know what the last three chapters are, and they have no idea what the first three are. And yeah, I will give you this. This one sentence between verse 3 and 14, 202 words, this is flat-out meat and potato theology. This isn't cursory Christianity. And I think there's times that people read this, and they read it in such a way as, well, I'm not a theologian. I don't really need this. Well, let me ask you a question. If I don't understand this, how am I to love my wife as Christ loved the church? You can't do it. Because you don't understand what you already possess. How are your children to honor you? How are you to be submitted to your employer? You can't do it. And, and that's one of the amazing things that I see. Christians want the action, the practice. But what I've learned in my years, they don't know what they possess. And if, if we look at it, we, we tell each other that we are saved by faith, not works. So no one can boast. And then all we want to do is bury ourselves in works. And that's why you see what I call grouchy Christians. Their foreheads are all wrinkled up and they're just mad at the old wet hens and you better get saved. And if you don't hurry up and get saved, I don't know what I'm going to do. And you sit there and you go, wait a minute. You haven't read the first three chapters, have you? That's one of the things that is missing. Listen. 
Church is more than sitting and staring at the back of the head of someone in front of you. Each of us is involved. Each of us individually are manifesting Christ. And all the gifts that you see in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians and chapter 12 of Romans, every one of those were true of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have those gifts. Each one of you is gifted in a different way. And the reason you're gifted is so that we can re-manifest Christ to a lost and dying world. And you think you're going to go do that in your own strength? Let me go back to another text a little farther ahead. In the practicality of the body of Christ. Right? Once you do the first three chapters, then you get chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 11. He gave some, this is Christ to the church. He gave some as apostles. You know what that is, right? Sent out ones. Some as prophets. You know what that is? It's the ones that they all want to kill. Some as evangelists. That's the ones we all like. Some as pastors, teachers. Okay? So if he gave some apostles, he gave some prophets, he gave some evangelists and pastor teachers, why? To equip the saints for the work of service. The word service there is the word you get ministry from. For the work of ministry. Who was going to be equipped for the work of ministry? Who would that be? Is that the ones we've got to get passed through Rome? But see, you can't be a saint in the Roman church until you're dead. What good are you? If I'm supposed to minister in the church and I'm a dead saint, you're going to fall down on the job. It is anyone who is saved. For the work of service, why? What should we be striving for? To building up of the church. Building up of the body of Jesus Christ. So God has put gifted people around each of us so that we can strengthen other people so that we can strengthen the body of Christ. Until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature that belongs to the fullness of Christ. That's what church is. You know what's amazing? This is the corporate church. And it was planned before time and creation. It was done by the free sovereign will of God. And he set into a plan of action. And that is the message that is in verses 3 through 14 of chapter 1. Okay, now I shared this again, but I want to keep reminding you because we're setting a foundation for what is the church. There are three elements to this. Okay, one is past, present, future. All right. Past. That is the election. 
You were chosen in verse 4. Present. Redemption. Verses 6 through 11, but it's verse 7 specifically. Thirdly, inheritance 12 to 14. And you see it in verses 11 and 14. All right. So now we're in the past. I got a little plan here that's called the Trinity's plan. And it's the aspects of forming the body, verses 4 to 6. There's seven aspects, seven elements that are involved in election. Okay, again, election is in the past. When were you saved? Before creation. All right? That is the method that the body comes together. It is election. Okay? In verse 4 there, you see that word just. Okay? Just as He chose us. We're just. Just ties in with the blessings of verse 3. Paul comes out of bless the Lord God, Father of Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation. So you see how He ties that together. He's linking the praises of verse 3 together so that in verse 5, you can see it is according to what? His kind intention. Verse 9, we can see whose purpose it is. Verse 11, we can see whose will it is. So we can see what the purpose is, we can see whose will it is, and we can see why it was. Which all comes out of what? The praises of verse 3. I can't, well I guess I could, but I'm not going to. I have a sheet of all the text in the New Testament and the Old Testament that either directly apply to or are implied, okay, on election. Okay, do you know what book was left out? The maps. There's not a book in the Bible that doesn't either directly say it or its implication is there. I mean, go read Ruth. God is never mentioned in the whole book. And yet, the implication for such a time as this, you were placed here. See what I'm trying to get at? We, you, we miss this all the time. And one of the things is, is that it hurts our heads. We... We are convinced that we make decisions. And you know what? You do all day long. All day long. But let me tell you something. So does God. Okay? And His is on a grandiose stand. Yours isn't. And yet, if you think about it, where you're sitting today, right now, what you're listening to right now, 
was planned before creation. Paul writing a young Timothy, his last letter ever. Second Timothy, chapter one, verse nine. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which he granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. Now it has been revealed to us by the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus. And you find that sprinkled throughout Scripture. Throughout Scripture. What I want you to understand is, yes, you do make decisions all day long. You'll go home tonight and you'll make the decision on what time you're going to get up in the morning. It will be inferred by your employer or your spouse or something to this effect. But you'll make a decision. You'll make a decision. How early do I get up before I go to work? Then you'll have to decide what clothes you're going to wear. Where are you going to eat? What are you going to eat? Are you going to eat? And yeah, you do. And you know what? You will be responsible for every one of those decisions. Okay? And if you don't eat your breakfast and you feel like you're starving about 11 o'clock, that's your fault. But I want you to know this. God has done it all. If you Listen, if you are truly saved today, then you believe that God is absolutely 100% sovereign. Okay? If you're saved. Okay? If, if you don't believe He's sovereign, why do you pray? I mean, you're wasting your time. Last week I shared with you there's three types of election in the Bible. One is theocratic. It's when God runs a nation. The nation of Israel. That nation was elected. They did not have a righteousness contest of all the nations on the earth. And God chose Israel because they were more righteous than all the rest of them. God chose Israel because God wanted Israel. Okay? We've seen that there are those who get a vocation. You have a vocational election. God chooses certain individuals for specific things. All right? In both of those, there's no guarantee of salvation. All right? But here in chapter 1, is salvation. He chose us. Okay? That's an interesting word, chose, in the Greek. El qualo. Equalo. It's, uh, I can just give you the basic Greek writing, but if you go into secular Greek writing at the time of the New Testament, ancient writings, they used equalo to speak of an irresistible force. They would use it equalo of a hungry man being drawn to food. Some of their writings referred to it as the demonic forces drawn to animals when they were unable to possess a man. 
we quarrel. Socrates used it describing equality as the power of love to draw two people together. It is a force. It is compelling. It is irresistible. When you look there, he chose us. He equalized us. John's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. An irresistible force. I kind of look at it. God's magnetic power draws to himself those that he predetermined to be loved. Okay? That's election. I watch people freak out over it. Oh my God! How could he do that? And immediately what they want to do is say, well then that means he predetermined some to go to hell. It ain't in the Bible. That's your conclusion. I look at it from this perspective. They're all going to hell. And he saves some. See the perspective? That is election. God's power drawing to himself those he predetermined to be loved. Okay, now then. It is not without faith. But we're even told that is not of ourselves. Listen, we responded. Those of us in this room right now who are truly saved, somewhere that power was tugging on us and we responded. I don't know all the circumstances. I know my circumstance. All right. But as many ways are there to get to Jesus, there's still only one to God. Somewhere we respond. Somewhere there was a responsibility. Somewhere you said, enough is enough. Give me Jesus. Jesus said it this way. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And he who comes to me, I will in no way cast out. You know what he just said there? Anyone can come. Anyone can come. But understand this, when you come, it's because His power drew you. You may not get it at first. I just made a decision to follow Jesus. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Just in case, let me give you some other scriptures to see if I can't annoy you. Romans chapter 9. This is speaking of Israel, God's covenant nation. All right. Beginning in verse four. Whom are the Israelites to whom belongs the adoption as sons and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the temple service and the promises? Whose are the fathers of whom is the Christ according to the flesh? Who is over all? God blessed forever. Amen. But it is not as though the word of God has failed. For they are not all Israel 
who are descendant from Israel. Nor are they all children because they are Abraham's descendants. But through Isaac, your descendants will be named. That is, it is not the children of the flesh who are children of God, but the children of the promise are regarded as descendants. For this is the word of the promise. At this time, I will come and Sarah will have a son. Not only this, but there was Rebecca also. When she had conceived twins by one man, our father, Isaac. Now look what he just what he says next. Just make people's blood pressure go right through the roof. Though the twins were not yet born and had not done anything good or bad, so that God purposed according to his choice would stand, not because of works, but because of him who calls, it was said to her, the older will serve the younger, as it is written, Jacob I loved and Esau I hated. Whose decision? And it was before they were born. Okay? So no one can think that salvation had anything to do with their works. You can't. All of God so that the glory is God's. Every ounce of it is God's. You can't touch it. And yet I read this and there's this amazing chapter that comes after it. Chapter 10. And in chapter 10, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So it's all right there. The sovereignty is God's. That's his side of it. The human decision is man's side of it. A guy named George Chadwick, who wrote in the 15th century. I thought this is interesting, so I'll share it with you. Quote, I sought the Lord, and afterwards I knew he had moved my soul to seek him. I was found by he. Unquote. All right. So. Here's what you will end up with. All right. Someone in their infinite wisdom will roll up to you. They'll cross their arms like this. Tap their fingers just like this This is exactly how they do it every time. And they look me right in the eye and says, Pastor, you missed it. Okay. Election is based on one word. The word foreknowledge. And see, why God chooses some is because he looked ahead in time and he sees what the response would be. Okay? You know, that's such a cute thought. 
It is so cute. It just makes me grin. I even got in my notes here, got a little bitty smiley face right there by the end of it. That's so cute. But when people share with that with me, I do this. Have you not read? Progo Kanasko. Progo Kanasko. That's the word. It's compound. Okay? And you know what? It's amazing about Progo Kanasko. Has absolutely nothing about knowing what was going to happen in the future. Okay? It's a good word. It's a really cool word. Kanasko. Second half of the word, Progo Kanasko. Kanasko is the word that is translated of the meaning of intimate love relationship. Okay? Cain kanaskoed his wife. All right? And it doesn't mean he knew the color of her eyes or the color of her hair. He knew his wife and they bore a child. All right? So it is an intimate physical relationship. That is the term kanasko. Mary knew Joseph bore Jesus. No. Mary knew Joseph and had children, James and a few others. But remember when she was with child, it says that she had not pronoed kanaskoed anybody. Had not kanaskoed anybody. Hadn't been with anybody. She had not known anybody. You know what's amazing about kanasko? Jesus uses it. I know my sheep and they know me. It's an intimate, physical relationship. It's why the Apostle Paul says, I am in him. All right. Remember when Jesus is going to be judging and many will say, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name? And he will say, I never canascoed you. I never knew you. I never had an intimate relation with you. The book of Amos says, you only have I known of all the nations. All right. So I want you to understand when you see the word foreknowledge. He's talking about a unique, intimate love. All right. Now, then, the word do we translate for? Has to do with predetermining that love relationship. He predetermined that love, that intimate love, unique relationship. All right, got it? Now that you're all sitting down and you're going, oh, yeah, I'm going to have to work on my Greek and all the rest of it. I want to look at it from this year. Do you realize that God of creation decided to love you before creation? And to have an intimate relationship with you before creation, before he invented time? Wow. 
Now then, do you see why understanding the theology of the body of Christ is a little bit important on realizing what the relationship that I'm supposed to be in the practice of the body of Christ? Because regardless of how thorny Christians can be, you had a predetermined love relation with God before creation was even spoke. Before creation, in the throne room of God, the triune God decided to set his affections on us. Okay? Now that's foreknowledge. It ain't got nothing to do with seeing in the future. It says, I want a unique, intimate relationship with that person and I'm going to make it happen. And he did it before there was a creation. Jacob I love. Esau I hated. Why? Because I wanted to. That is what foreknowledge. It's a love, love relationship that was determined before time. So, if you look at Romans chapter 11, beginning at verse 2, God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Or do you not know what the scripture says about the passage about Elijah and how he pleads with God for Israel? Back. To Israel again. Israel, who God foreknew. Listen, when you look at what Israel did, verse 11 of chapter 11 says, I say then, they did not stumble so as to fall, did they? May it never be. But by their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentile to make them jealous. Now, if their transgressions is riches for the world and their failure is riches for Gentiles, how much more will their fulfillment be? He had set his love on Israel. Israel killed their Messiah, so that the Gentiles would be fulfilled. Okay, now listen. It doesn't mean that there is no human responsibility. All right? There is responsibility. Always has been. But there's always divine sovereignty. Always has been. Okay. God is running things. He's running all of it. I don't care what it looks like. Just because you think you could organize it better doesn't mean a thing to me. It seems to be a paradox. But do you know what it tells me? If I share the gospel to anyone, 
they can be saved. You can't screw it up. I've watched people. I ain't sharing the gospel. I don't know what to say. Well, yeah, just don't say nothing. That'll fix it. You share the gospel. You look them in the eye and says, do you know that God predetermined to have an intimate love relationship with you, maybe before the foundations of the earth? Now, I don't watch somebody's head just go poof. First time I ever shared the gospel with somebody. Guess what it was on? Election. You shared election? Yep. First time. And they, and they, they got saved. It was really kind of wild. And you know what is amazing about it? They never, ever, ever fell away. To this day, they're walking with the king. Because I didn't go in there and say, well, say this prayer and Jesus pat you on the head and it all be happy. No, man, you better hope he already predetermined to have you. If not, kiss your butt goodbye. And they say, well, that's harsh. Really? That's true. You can either take the free will gift that God gives for your sins or you can pay it. I just shared the gospel. That is the gospel. And everybody's like, well, that's, you can't say, yeah, I can. Because if they don't know that, they're in trouble. I know people today who walk around claiming to be saved and they can't even tell me what they were saved from. Now, there's something wrong with that. So there is responsibility. But there's also divine sovereignty because I rest in the assurance that my God is running everything. But you know what? Anyone who hears the gospel can be saved. And you know what I have concluded? God can handle it. So, the aspects of forming the body. The method of forming the body. Election. Next week we'll begin on the object of the method. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, uh, I just praise you for uh, the massiveness of your understanding. And Father, I am thankful for the feebleness of our understanding. Father, you have already done exceedingly abundantly beyond what we could ever think or imagine. And yet, Father, you ain't done. Father, I hope that my brothers and sisters this day are encouraged by these worlds, understanding the new in-depth meaning of for new. That, Father, you did that. And you did that before your creation. Lord, what an awesome God. Thank you, my Lord, for your word. Thank you for the faithfulness of our brother Paul. But, Father, thank you for the church, the body of Christ, to be manifesting Christ to a lost and dying world. Thank you, Jesus. In Christ's name, amen.